With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Chels, the home of the world champions. There is no other side in the world who can say that right at this moment. We've won it all. Ah, bask in that just for a moment. Just remember the journey we've made to get here. It's been a it's been an arduous climb, but here we are. And on top of this summit, I find myself with only Mr. Andy Saunders, who's come back early from his holiday, like good politicians do when things go wrong. Mm. All right, he's come back to share in the glory with us. Andy, how are you? I'm really ill. <laughs> Okay, moving on to our next guest. We have Mr. Jeff Whiting, comedian, who's also on top of the summit with us. How are you, Jeff? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Good. All right. Well, look, we we better go back to the man of sickness. Um, Now, Andy, you went to Antigua. This is going to annoy some listeners because we're going to talk about your holiday. So I would suggest if you don't want to hear, go make a cup of tea, come back in a few minutes' time. It'll all be over. But Andy, you went away on holiday. I did. And and you came back with something special, didn't you? I did. Came back with COVID, which was lovely. Uh, Yeah, well, holiday was lovely. I had a 10-day holiday in Antigua. Weather wasn't amazing, so that's going to make you feel a little bit better. We had some nice days, but quite a lot of cloud as well. Um, Did some nice things out there. Went to see England play in the under-19 Cricket World Cup, which they lost to India, but it was a nice day out. Um, but yeah, no, very nice and, and feel very privileged to be able to get away at this time of year. But I obviously caught something on the plane coming back because tested positive on Saturday and have been feeling like death ever since. 
I'm well, a brave little soldier be... for even being here, Kerry. Oh, it is. I mean, coming up with rounded words and sentences, it's hard at times. You know, I think it does you're doing make you well. feel weird. I mean, I do feel weird. I'm weirder than usual. You know, I mean, I do feel I've got a head full of cotton wool. I can't concentrate on anything. So if I talk non- more nonsense than usual, you'll understand why. You've had COVID, <laughs> haven't you? Yeah, I've had it. I've had it. I, yeah, I had it uh, about a year and uh, half ago. Old school like COVID. Old school. I had it when it was like really, you know, a little bit unknown. No vaccinations, not me. Standing no, in no, the no, middle no. of the shed, COVID. <laughs> yeah, and and you're not even on the benches. Save the bridge, one. COVID. <laughs> Save, wagon, wheel, wagon wheel, COVID. Remember they sell wagon wheels on, on, on tables at Sanford Bridge? Oh, those oh, were the days. Wagon wheels. They, those were the days when you had no idea why all those chemicals in those things made you feel so good. You know, very strange. Have you uh, have you had COVID, Jeff? I have, but uh, about yeah, about nine months ago. But as I said, nobody noticed because I'm a comedian, so they didn't really notice I wasn't getting up till four in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pleasant, it, I have to say. But it, it is a reminder, isn't it, Andy? That everyone keeps thinking it's over. It really isn't. You're feeling crap at the moment. Mm. Imagine what you've probably been like if you hadn't had all your vaccinations well, and boosters. Yeah, I mean, that did that did occur to me. I mean, I do feel bad. I would describe it. I mean, I'm sure most of the people, we're all going to get it. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's 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 one of those things that we're all going to get at some point. Um, and I'm sure most of the people listening to this have had it. So I'm possibly going to move on. We've all had it. You're boring. Um, but, you know, I would describe it as probably worse than a bad cold, but not as bad as flu. Um, but with some kind of weirdness, like weird night sweats and strange kind of shivers and things like that. And, um, you know, other other things that you don't get with a cold. But, you know, it is what it is. We move on. You know, I mean, if this is the worst it's going to be, I can kind of live with this. It's not pleasant, kind of knock me out for a couple of days. But I'm sure it's the experience that lots and lots of people have had. I'm very glad that I managed to get my holiday in and got back. And, you know, so it's pretty good yeah. timing, I suppose, for me. No, that's, uh, that sounds true. So, Jeff, have you been busy? Have you been... Uh, have, has the comedy world opened up properly now? Are you able to get out there more and more and, and do your gigs? Yeah, it, it has. It, the, the second half of December, obviously, it just disappeared because Omicron uh, sort of appeared and then all the news about Omicron meant all the punters cancelled all their tickets for everything. So the sales went up so suddenly all the second half of December shows were cancelled almost everything but since beginning of January yeah the mood is pretty good I mean like people are booking ahead now right up to September October I've got tickets for a gig tonight like a comedy gig tonight and I can't go which is, I was going to go and see Reggie D Hunter tonight yeah um, I know I Reggie really well yeah uh, but I can't, I can't go unfortunately because obviously I'm, I'm isolating yeah, Reginald D. Hunter, who famously upset all the all the all the players, all the footballers. Yeah, using using the N word. Yes, he did. But then Reg has always done that. I don't know who booked him. They didn't do their research, did they? Because if you watch videos of Reg, he does it all the time. Yeah, he's a Reg. He doesn't sort of he doesn't change. Doesn't matter whether it's what the event is. That's what he does. Should so, I stress that Reg is a black comedian? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was going yes, to say yes, if. Yes. if if Jeff did it continually, yeah, there yeah. might be a few less gigs going around. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but Reg, Reg is a fantastic guy. Oh, he is. I was really looking forward to it. I've seen him a couple of times. He's a great comedian, and uh, oh, yeah, and he was playing at the at the uh, Eric Morecambe Hall in uh, in Harpenden tonight. Um, so I was looking forward to it, but obviously I can't go now, which is a real shame because I bought the tickets like months ago, six months ago. So, anyway, oh well, really th- there you go. Well, where's your next gig, Jeff? Uh, I actually Hampton on Saturday. I've got a, a quiet week for gigs, but I'm in Hampton. 
this Saturday, a place called The Hub. Uh, oh. Hosting a show with Hal Crundon's on the bill. I don't know if oh, yeah. Hal's on, he's a great guy. Pierre Hollins, another another good comic, and uh, a couple of uh, up-and-coming acts on the show as well. And on the do you host. do a lot of that uh, comparing hosting stuff? Yeah, I do. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah, by my own admission, you know, I'm better at that. I like hosting, I like doing it, I'm better at it. And, oh, uh, that's good. You know, if a comic of it says to me, you know, Jeff, and they see me doing a set and say, frankly, stick to comparing, I, I don't take it as an insult because I love comparing and it's what I do most of, so that's fine. Oh, that's good. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good show. There's sold a lot of tickets and it's looking good for yeah, Hampton mm. Hospital. So, Pierre Hollins, any relation to John? Uh, no, unfortunately, no, no, not. No, in fact, Pierre Hollins is uh, a guy from Brighton who doesn't even really follow football, bizarrely. And he's, 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 he's great, though. His real name is Peter Hollins. And I think it's one of those equity things when he started. There was already one, so he just changed it to Pierre. He just went French on it. Yeah, so. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, I, I call myself often Kerry. Um, but <laughs> well, actually, I have been called Sherry in the past. Yeah. So maybe that's my. You should start my spelling your name right. That would, um, yeah. that would help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you would be, uh, what would you be? Andre Saunders. <laughs> Andre. Yeah. When yeah. we used to do French at school, we used to get given a French name. I was always Andre. Yeah, absolutely. That that kind of figures. That works pretty well. Yeah, Andre Saunders. You sound quite classy. (laughs) I mean, it obviously doesn't fit if you know you, but, you know. Sounds like somebody that might be signed by, you know, someone like Leicester, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then be sold for 42 million, having bought him for 600,000. It sounds like one of those players, you know, you get these players that, you know, they've got English names, but they play for Argentina and things like that. Be one of those ones. Andre Saunders. Yeah, he's he's a Swiss international. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, South American player called Gallagher. Yeah, there's a few of those, isn't there? There's a few of those out there that, you know, that play for Austria and things. And you... Well, there's a lot of them that are actually, like, say, in Argentina, because wasn't it the mining and, and what it's have you? a big you? Welsh population in Argentina. Well, in Patagonia, Patagonia. there's one, yeah. one actual village. But there, a lot of, why you get a lot of Scottish names and things out there is because I think it was mining um, at the turn of the century and... Um, football became something that I believe we took over there. And uh, that's why you still get English or British-sounding names yeah. in South America. Well, this which... is what... I mean, I, I sort of know this about Argentina because I worked with a Welsh band called Super Furry Animals. Oh, and, yeah, and, 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 yeah, great band. And Griff Reese, who's the, who's the um, lead singer, became slightly obsessed with it um, and did a documentary about going out to South America and, and sort of finding Welsh roots out there. So... If you can track that down, it's a bit obscure. Um, it is interesting. Yeah, no, it is. And, well, I just think we've had nearly 10 minutes of this. which We've got another really five to those. go then, haven't we? Another five, <laughs> another five. Keep on making the tea. We'll be talking about football in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, we, sh- we should actually move on to a little bit of football. Um, we haven't I, even I, discussed I want... this. Are we going to do? Are what are we doing? Are we doing both games? Or are we just going to con- do a do a kind of laser light focus on the final? Well, I think we'll see how it goes. We'll start with the semi. If it morphs into the final, great. You know, let's just let's just run wild and loose with it. That's what I say, yeah. Andre. Um, so, <laughs> um, uh, actually, what would you? What you would be, Geoffroy, wouldn't you? Something Jeff? like that. Yeah. <laughs> Geoffroy et André et Chérie. Um, okay. Et dans les jardins publics. <laughs> Avec sa chienne. 
this is going to turn into a, a yeah. comedy version. When you did Friends at school, what, what kind of friendship? We, when we did Friends at school, we used to have this thing called audio uh, Longman's audio visual French. Did you used to do that one? And they used to put. There used to be a slide no. would come up with a cartoon. Oh. And it would be Monsieur et Madame Marceau, they don't let Jardin public. And then there'd be this tone, it'd go beep like that, and then they would change the slide. And that's how we learn French and invent inverted commas. So it's all my amazing. French is like punctuated with beep because it's like that was the, <laughs> at the end of it's, every sentence. It's amazing what they do in Borstal, isn't it? <laughs> I, mean, I find it quite great. We actually had teachers. Um, <laughs> I don't but uh, but yeah I mean it, look we let's let's move on to a, a little bit of football club world cup now this is something that has not been taken very seriously in this country for a, for a long time supposedly we've all gone oh it's just like the the community shield it's just a, another showcase event but I'm not sure that's true in the rest of the world I mean if you looked at the the leader, and maybe we were looking at things more because Chelsea were in the tournament. So you start going, well, actually, maybe this isn't a pony tournament. Maybe this is actually something we should all take seriously. And there's a there's a couple of things here. Football is about winning trophies. So why do we denigrate so many of them? You know, everybody. Our oh, community shield's not worth winning. League Cup, it's not a real cup. Club World Cup, yeah, European Super Cup, what's that? You know, at the end of the day, there seems to be only, oh, Europa League. I mean, Europa Conference League. Yeah, that probably is pony. But, um, you know, we, we have this way of denigrating everything you can possibly win. Why do you think that is, Jeff? And do you think that's true? Well, yeah, let's be honest. I do think it's the preponderance of people doing it are, are support clubs that haven't won anything. Let's be honest. I mean, let's be fair, they are. I mean, and that's the majority, isn't it? Because the majority of clubs don't win anything. So <laughs> if it's, you know, X number of league, well, Premier League clubs and X championship, if you look at the two, because obviously clubs move up and down, there's got to be, you know, supporters of about 20 X Premier League or current Premier League clubs that haven't won anything. So clearly, if, if you win the League Cup, the Carabao Cup, they're going to say, oh, it's not worth winning because they've never won it and they probably won't. And it's the same with all the other trophies you just mentioned. So let's be fair, it's probably only about eight to ten clubs that have or are likely to win anything much. And their supporters, of course, and then their supporters denigrate something like this trophy because they actually want to win it themselves. So that's a, there's a two categories. The supporters of clubs that have got no chance of winning anything much, which is, and I don't take it lightly, I'm sure that they're dedicated supporters, as we were when Chelsea won nothing for years and years and years, we carried on supporting them. So I'm not denigrating people that support a club that hasn't won anything for 20 well, years. Well, hold on, hold on. I think you're being rather charitable to a lot of losers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Feel sorry. free to denigrate. You know, we are all yeah, about we are, denigration. We are all about denigration today. <laughs> we are the champions of the world. It's almost worth a Queen song, you know. But I do find Andy. Sorry, sorry go I'm on, just going to say I do. I do find it funny. I mean, because we, we our record of being the only London side to do so many things is 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 just out there now. I mean, you know, the only London club to win the Champions League at all, let alone twice. And now this trophy and Piers Morgan. Can't deal with it, can he? Well, he can't deal with anything. Let's face it; he's not really human. I don't think. But there you go. That's a, yeah. that's a, 
That's a, that's another Piers, story. Piers Morgan is, is best ignored. Craig Burley was the one that kind of got up my nose a little bit. Yeah. Oh, but, wait, I, hold on. It's not even time to bring that idiot into the conversation. We'll, we'll save Craig then. I mean, in answer yeah, to your question it. about the about the cups, um, look, I mean, there is an argument to say that, you know, when you get a bye into the semi-final of a cup and then, you know, and then play the final against, you know, a... You know, a team that few people in Europe have even heard of, let alone are familiar with. Um, there could be an argument to say that it's not as uh, important uh, a cup as some others. However, you only have to look at how many people. Why are you making that face? Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it was the one thing I've always wanted to win. <laughs> um, but when you look at the, uh, you know, when you look at the amount of people that turned up at the airport in Sao Paulo to see Palmeiras off, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Um, I mean, they're obsessed with it in South America. You know, when when Corinthians beat us, there was like a three day party. You know, after after that success, it, it's something that's taken very very seriously in other parts of the world. And I guess that's because beating the winners of the Champions League is a very big deal. Champions League is probably the premier club competition in the world is the premier club competition in the world um so to beat the winners of that i think is, is a really good thing in reverse from our perspective winning you know beating the uh the the, the winners of the copa libertadores or whatever it's called is that what it's called and yeah. you know and, and the other you know other uh, uh territorial cups around the world is not such a big deal so that's why it's not as big a deal for us but it is to them and i think you can only win what's in front of you and the fact is we beat Manchester City to earn our place in the World Club Championship and we had to beat the South American champions to, to you know to, to, to be called Club World Champions so I think there is something to be proud of in that you know you can only I take the Jose Mourinho approach to it which is if you're in it make sure you win it you know, he didn't take the Carabao Cup or the Carling Cup or whatever it was called when he was doing it any less seriously than any other competition because he knew that a trophy is a trophy. And ultimately, that's what football clubs are about, is about trophies. And it doesn't matter to a degree what it is because if you enter the competition, make sure you win it. I think that's absolutely spot on. And I think that's that's what we found, that under Abramovich, we have more often than not turned up to these amazing events and we've gone on to partake in them and win an awful lot. It's incredible when you look at the roster of cups that we've we, we, we've won since Abramovich took over. It, it is amazing that we can go through these periods of pathetic league form or underwhelming league form and still perform on the biggest occasions in the you know in in the in, in the most intensive atmospheres i mean the, the the run the league and you know and general run that we were on uh when we won in 2012 against bayern munich was terrible you know the the, the run that we were on before we won in porto last year was terrible you know we weren't on a particularly great run before the result at the weekend you know we just seem to be able to come alive in these big competitions and there is that whole kind of winning in your dna sort of thing i just wish we could replicate it over 38 games in a season yeah, yeah. in a league season. basically if we're crap we'll win it Pretty much. That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. It's, you know, we were I mean, absolutely smashing it, weren't we, uh, in 2008 when we went to Moscow. You know, we should have walked that yeah. and look what happened. 
you yeah. know, in other times yeah. that we went out in the semi-final of the Champions League when we were absolutely destroying the league. It is ironic. But this, this is something that I, I also think was, was good for us, um, especially against Palmeiras. Suddenly we became the underdogs because they were supposedly cohesive. They had a way of playing, blah, blah, blah. Do you not think, Jeff, the underdog suits us very well as a label, and we respond to that better than being favourites. Yeah, you can see that in the league, can't you? Yes, definitely we do. There's no doubt. I don't know why. Especially Chelsea. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of club supporters think their club does it as well, but I think Chelsea have got a real history of doing it. As you say, when we're up against City, you know, in the Champions League final, where they were favourites, we get the win. You know, in this game, as you said, they talked to a... a Palmeiras up, although I don't, I think they did talk them up a bit. I think we would had the better squad and the better players, but but the point is there was some pressure because of all the, the fan base they had and everything else. Um, we turned up on uh, that game, um, and I think you're right. It, we then we do it in the league. We do it in the league. That's the difference between us and City, really, isn't it? You know, where a City will beat Norwich four 0 you know, it's a sort of game where sometimes we draw, you know, whatever. You know, that's a, you know, being favourites for some reason just doesn't. I don't know what it is about us, we're favourites, but, you know, the home games this season, the ones we've drawn, especially where it looks as if we, we should have won by a couple of goals, we end up 1-0 up and then drawing one all. You just think, you know, this is what we do. I yeah, we've got very high expectations for our team. We've only lost three games this season uh, mm. in the league, and, you know, which is remarkable, really. But it's the, it's the draws that kill you. It's always the draws that kill you. I think eight draws, and, you know, that that's not good enough if you want to be seen as title contenders. Being 16 points behind the leaders of the league, it's not good enough. Um, but having trophies to, to, to you know, to, to make you feel a little bit better is, is better than being Spurs let's be honest, and it's better than being a lot of other clubs. So I'm not, I mean, I think always that, you know, I've said it many, many times, the best team always, always wins the league. That's always the best team. There's no there's no question about that. Champions League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, they're brilliant. Champions League is an amazing thing to win. But the best team, because it's a 38-game league and you have to do it week in, week out, best team always wins the league. So that's where I want to be. Champions League comes a very close second. And the Cups are a bonus. Um, and we just seem to be very, very good at winning Cups, which is great. But I want to win the league. So, you know, I'm not resting on any kind of laurels here. I think we take this and we build on it. We do some work in the summer with the squad. Um, we give Tuchel the players that he wants. And I think year three of Thomas Tuchel, I hope, is going to be the year where it all comes together. And when we have had injuries, we've had problems, you know, the fullbacks getting injured was a nightmare. You know, there's all these things. Hopefully that won't happen next year and we'll be in a much better position. Well, here, here's a, a, a thing, and uh, I would like to know what you think about this. Do you think that the adversity we find, we do thrive on it? I mean, the, the thing that was the most disconcerting for the Club World Cup was the fact that Tuchel suddenly went down with COVID. I don't know whether you'd seen each other, Andre, or not, but, you know, the, the, the two of you... Thomas and André uh, sat on a plane together. Who knows? Um, but, Jeff, were you worried when Tuchel suddenly couldn't go? I, it's extraordinary because you think everything's dying down. And as we've seen with Andy, it it just appears like this. And I loved reading Tuchel after the win that he said several times he tried to go to the airport but was called back because it was a negative test. Well, should he really have been driving anywhere until he was negative? But 
finally managed to get there. Uh, how important is having Tuchel there? Because for me, he looks as though he must be he must be awful to be stuck at home watching on a TV, obviously relaying messages. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he, there's no. It appears to me, you know, he's that sort of coach. He was very animated, isn't he, on the, on the touchline, and he's. And he's obviously giving instructions. As you know, you, you can't tell if all the players are, are, are listening or taking them on board, but he's definitely giving instructions all the time and he's definitely very animated. So um, he's a very strong presence, isn't he? And I think the team need that. I think it's obviously his focal point you know, as the manager and having him not there did worry me, um, although clearly he was getting instructions to, 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 the, uh, to the guys. He was clearly getting uh, instructions across, but that's not the same as having him there, is it? You know, I'm sure if you were the players, you look around and Tuchel's there, or he's there at the half-time and he's there when you get a bottle of water or there's an injury and you go to the side and talk to him. Him not being there did, did worry me to a degree, um, but I think, yeah, we had a team. I thought we could get through that semi-final anyway, but, but it, yeah, it did. Uh, but it was funny what you just said because uh, several comedians who aren't even Chelsea fans were making gags about, you know, Tuchel, you know, strutting around his front room, you know, sort of waving imaginary red cards in his living room. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can imagine it. I mean, Andy, what does this say about Tuchel that we worry that he might not be there for a game or something, that he's still getting his feet under the table, as it were. It's only just over a year. He's had one summer to, to go for some transfers, but he'll know more, won't he, at the end of this year, exactly what he wants. Does it surprise you how far we've come under him? And is it is it really we should accept the fact that things are not always going to be right, especially when you lose players like Rhys James and Ben Chilwell, who are such an integral part of his plan, that it's still going to take time. We were favourites at the start of the season with a lot of people to win the league. And of course, that's fallen by the wayside for various incidents beyond our control. But also, is it not this summer that we will get the possibility of Tuchel really turning this into his side? You hope so. Uh, I think going back to your original point about how important Tuchel is, it, it feels like a club that's been shaped by his vision at the moment. He has the overarching vision for what he wants to achieve and people seem to have bought into that. There's been a few bumps in the road. Lukaku's interview was ill-timed and disruptive and I think the Lukaku thing has been disruptive generally, you know, throughout throughout the last few months, how to play to his strengths, how to get the best out of him, how to create that front three around Lukaku and, and get him to perform. So they're all things that need to be ironed out and feel like they're being ironed out. Tuchel's presence I think is hugely important I think he is a hugely charismatic and important focal point for that team and for the club um, he's a great lightning rod for, for for everything that goes on so him not being there left, left us I think a little bit bereft I think the summer is really important I'd like to know who he wants to sign because we don't get any real sense of who he wants to sign because it's all kind of kept behind closed doors. I don't know what he wants. Obviously, we need some defenders uh, or we need to re-sign some defenders um, and be interesting to see whether he wants to add some creativity because that feels to be a little bit lacking at the moment. I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting transfer window in the summer. Um, let, let's see what happens. I love Tuchel at the moment. I think he's brilliant. I mean, he's the, he's the manager I've most bought into for a long time um, because I just feel that he has a real 
vision for what he wants to achieve. He, and I know that he's capable of it. And he feels it feels like he takes players with him. And I think for a manager, that's what you want. And I'll kind of forgive him a year of too many draws because we know that the circumstances have been racked against him a little bit. And we need a little bit of patience. And I know that football fans, football fans aren't great at patience, um, but we need to give him a little bit because he is somebody that would be a desperate loss if he goes. I really, I really believe yeah. that. I agree with that. Well, look, we've got to go to a break and then we're going to come back. I want to talk about a couple of things when we come back that you just touched on there about Tuchel, the summer transfers, people re-signing, people who may come back. And then we'll also talk about being champions of the world. And we're back. Hello, champions of the world everywhere. You're all Chelsea fans. No one else. We are. We are the champions of the world. So, look, uh, we were talking about Tuchel beforehand. Um, Now, he's got a few things that... So, we've heard a few rumours of people that may be coming. But what I thought was interesting, Jeff, was after the Club World Cup, there was chat with Rudiger, who said... Basically, everyone knows I love it here. Um, I would love to stay, but it's also down to other people as well if that works out. That's the first crack I think we've seen from Rudiger going, there is a very good chance I could stay here. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's just down to the money by the looks of it. I mean, he obviously wants to stay, but I mean... You know he's he's lower paid than some of the other players at the moment, and they increased it. I think he started on ninety thousand a week. It's, it's strange to bandy figures like ninety thousand a week around us. I think that was a low figure to start with, and up to about one hundred and twenty-five thousand a week. And, it, and these are all low figures apparently. So, but of course, because the clubs that could sign him might offer him two hundred thousand a week or two hundred and forty thousand a week, then clearly that's that. It's as simple as that. Um, but it's a pity. I mean, he does seem uh, loyal. In terms of the badge, you know, very much committed. But let's be honest, I think when he says other people, I presume his agent is one of them. Um, and people around him, his team, which people have, who themselves might benefit if he moves somewhere. Because uh, clearly there's a financial investment, uh, a financial incentive for his agent for him to move. <laughs> because clearly they make a percentage of what happens there must be some incentive sure. for his people. it's a double earner yeah, they it? want him to move because it makes their money and him staying will make them less money uh not much less if Chelsea you know do a good deal with him but uh, I, I think he I think he I think he's I think he, I think he's you know he's a committed Chelsea player in terms of his you know as I said he wants to wear the badge he wants to wear the shirt but I just think that that's that's the case while he's playing for us I mean, and I and, very committed whilst he's playing for us, but it doesn't mean that if his team tell him he needs to go to somewhere else, PSG or wherever he won't go. Yeah, I mean, Andy, there's also the argument that for him, he is now established. Let's not forget, he went through a very bad period of not playing well. Under Lampard. Under Tuchel, yeah, exactly. But under Tuchel, he's got stronger, he's got better, he's got more disciplined He's really turned things around under Tuchel. And there must be a little part of him that looks at it and goes, if I can work this out here, this would be a good place for me to stay. Because we've all seen players who've left who go on to other bigger clubs and it doesn't work out necessarily. If we can match the money and make it work for him, he's going to stay, isn't he? 
It feels more likely that he's going to stay than it has done for a while. You do get these yeah. little sense of it. But we don't know. Look, we have to say it again. They're not fans. Football football players aren't fans. He doesn't care, ultimately, whether he plays for us or PSG or Real Madrid or Barcelona. You know, really, he's a professional footballer. I would imagine his ego has been hugely inflated over the last year or so, reading incredible notices about his performances and about the reaction that he's getting off of fans and pundits, you know, which quite rightly he's been brilliant. I don't think there's any, any other way of describing his performances over the last year as being utterly fantastic. Um, And if he goes, he goes, you know, with a, with a round of applause from me, he's been brilliant for us. I really, really hope he stays. But ultimately, as Jeff says, it will come down to the money. It won't come down to whether he wants to play for the shirt or the badge or he likes to. It will come down to whether we will put as much money on the table as another major elite club. Because that's how footballers value themselves. That's how they value their their worth on the amount yeah, no, of money they're paid as, compared, as compared to their peers. And it's going to come down to whether Marina and Roman put a quarter of a million quid a week on the table, simple as that. Yeah, and and look, that, but that's what I'm saying. It's interesting that he's actually made a little bit of a statement. Well, I think he has to, Kerry. He has to say that. You know, I'm not reading too much into that. You know, players have to turn around. At, you know, at this point in negotiations, and say, you know, I love this club. You know, I would happily play for this club. It's all part of the, the game. Do you know, what I mean, I wouldn't read that too much into that. Oh, you're so cynical. What are <laughs> it's you? Almost as, it's something? almost as if I do this for a job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrifying. <laughs> but no, you know what I mean, don't you? I mean, it yeah, is. Of course, it, of course. It, it's just PR. You know, if somebody yeah. turns around to you say and says, "Do you love Chelsea?" He's not going to turn around and go, "They're all right." I think I'd rather be at PSG. He's not going to say that, is he? I mean, even no. if he wants to, he's not going to say that. He's going to say the fans are incredible. I love playing. Look at what we've won. Here's my medals. I mean, you look at the videos. He looks happy. You know, so that's good. If you read his body language, he looks happy. He's putting in performance after performance, week after week. It has hasn't slipped he's never you know of all the players that you could look at and go he hasn't really performed he hasn't really done it you can't say that about Rudiger every week he's putting in a solid eight out of ten at least and you know I think he still runs down dead ends but we're all happy yeah and he's but but you know I don't think I've seen him get beaten by a player for the last six months you know I just think he's been incredible listen if it were me I'd spend the transfer budget on him I think he's brilliant I don't think we need Jules Koundé I don't think we need these other players if you can sign someone like Rudiger and you've got Chalabar and you've got Christensen if you can nail Christensen down although he's the one that probably looks like he might leave um, you know then then you're only needing one other player so I don't think it's the crisis that a lot of people are looking at if he does leave becomes a lot trickier and then we really do have to look at it but it feels like there's lots of contingency plans in place and also if you look at the club the club are going to turn around and go well mate if you want to leave leave because we are talking to lots of other people as well so I'm sure the club aren't going please stay I'm sure they're having these conversations in a very professional grown up manner you know with the agents are saying tell us what you want and we'll tell you whether we can afford it Mm. yeah exactly it's a negotiation All right. well look we'll move on a little bit to uh, the club world cup um, over the two games, we were a little bit disjointed. We couldn't quite get things moving, but we hung in there. And we kind of dominated both games with yet again without being able to punish sides. What did you make of that, Jeff? Is this the, the problem for us more than anything else is that we don't convert chances? And what did you make of Lukaku, who looked woefully out of form a lot of the time, but scored one 
beautifully scrappy gold just by being there, and then a proper, yeah. dare I say it, Drogba-like header mm. in the final. Yeah, it, it's strange. It does seem to be we can't keep it going smoothly throughout 90 minutes, doesn't it? Um, because, as you say, in patches, we're fantastic. It's like in patches, we can put together an amazing move, an outmanoeuvre defence, whatever. But then even then, sometimes we don't score. Um, but regarding Lukaku, yeah, it's very strange. I mean... To me, he seems off the pace a lot of the time, but then he will. He was in the right place. I mean, you know, to be fair, he had to be in the right place to score that goal in the semi-final. But I'd agree, the header in the final was excellent. That was that was the sort of goal that I thought Lukaku would be scoring every, not every week, but a lot, which he hasn't. But that that header was the sort of goal I thought Lukaku would be scoring when we bought him. You know, that's just, that's what I thought. That was a great header because he 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 just moved the defender just that foot or two in front of him to get him. So he was that defender was under the ball and then just stuck it in the top corner. That was a great header, great goal. But there again, there are other points where he was all over the place. You know, it was bouncing off him or he wasn't reaching it. I know it's this thing about is it to do with him or is it to do with the uh, the rest of the team not supplying him with the right you know crosses and the right passes that's a difficult I'm not a professional footballer so to me he looks a bit off the pace but I know that he says and other people that would be fans of the car who say he's not getting the service but to me he still seems to be getting some quite reasonable service and not making that much of it but uh, you know I mean I think he I think that the header was great if he could play like that if he could score goals like that every week in the Premier League I'd be delighted and also don't you think Andy there's a case of if Callum could go on the outside more and get a cross in with his weaker foot, he will finish chances like that off. Yeah, listen, uh, what that, that that cross by Callum was brilliant. It's the only yeah. thing he did in that game that was decent. You know, the yeah. rest of the game, he was really poor, I thought, you know. And it was another example of Callum Hudson-Odoi not really rising to the occasion, taking players on. You know, he's a player that is really, I find, incredibly frustrating. Um, he's capable of doing great things. That cross was the first time he got to the byline and got that over. He just could not take players on. He was making poor passes. You know, he doesn't sometimes have that mental confidence to just rip teams apart. He's got the talent of doing it. And when he does it and puts a cross in like that, it was a brilliant finish by, by Lukaku, then you can go, well, how, how, Callum hudson is an amazing player. But it's his consistency that drives me mad. He just is not consistent as a player. And I think if you play at the elite level, that's one attribute you've got to have is consistency. You've got to be able to do it week in, week out. You can't just do it every third game or fourth game. You've got to be able to turn up every game and rip teams to pieces because that's what you're paid to do. Do you not think there's a case of him playing on the wrong side of the pitch, though? Because his weaker foot's his left. You want to see somebody like him, who's got the pace, go past a defender. But he doesn't do it because instinctively his left foot is weaker. So he's always cutting back and cutting inside. So the defender knows what he's going to do all the time. The one time he skips out and he gets a good pass, it causes problems. I just think he'd be better on the right-hand side. Possibly. I mean, possibly. Uh, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Back to the matter is, if you're put on the left-hand side, you need to be able to do the job. Otherwise, yeah. don't play there. <laughs> you know? Otherwise, well, come off. Well, it's not his choice. I no, I'm not saying it's his choice. But the point is, if the manager says, I want you to play on the left-hand side and I want you to do this, if you can't do it, you need to come off and somebody else replace you. You can't just stand on, on there and say, well, you know, I haven't got much of a left foot, so therefore I'm going to cut inside. It's like, 
you can either play there or you can't. It's as binary as that. And I know, I know that's harsh. And you're probably right. Maybe playing him on the on on the right where he can cut to the byline. But even when he plays on the right, how many times have we seen him take players on and get to the byline successfully in no, recent I, times? I agree. Doesn't have that kind of take on ability that you know the other players that we've had in the past have got. You know, and you can see from Lukaku's perspective, players that get to the byline and cut it back, whether they cut it back to the penalty spot and he can tap it in, or they cut it across and he can bully people in the air. That's the service that he wants, alongside the channel stuff, alongside the playing into his feet so he can turn and bully players so he can turn and smash it. You know, along alongside that kind of stuff. That's what he means about service. If you're just going to play you know, a right-footed diagonal ball from the edge of the 18-yard box into a crowded penalty area, how can you then turn around to Lukaku and say that's your fault? It's it's not. Do you know what I mean? I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think like, we've seen the best of Lukaku. I don't, seen, I don't think we've seen a super confident Lukaku for a while. But, but I do think that there, we can play to his strengths a lot more. And I think that there's a combination of things going on here. And I'll say it again, and I say it every week. Drogba's first season is an almost a parallel of what's going on here. The ball was bouncing off Drogba, couldn't stay on his feet. He couldn't take his chances. And we figured out how to play with Drogba, and Drogba became a legend. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen with Lukaku, but to write him off now is stupid. Yeah, no, he's got to have time. He's definitely got to have time. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, in the final itself, there was a magical moment, um, and I th- we talked about it during the game, Andy, um, and I want to see what Jeff thought. When we got the penalty <laughs> and Dave picked up the ball yeah. and he let all of those players have a go at him, try and wind him up, and once they cleared off, Kai Havertz just calmly walked up, picked the ball off him and took the penalty. Yeah. Is that not absolutely one of the greatest moments of captaincy you will ever, ever see? Yeah, it really is. I mean, we know that uh, John Terry is a legend as a captain, but uh, you're right, that was fantastic. Because I generally, I mean, I must admit, because we didn't have, obviously, um, Jorginho wasn't on the pitch, so I, I genuinely thought he was going to take it at first. Because so did I. <laughs> and he grabbed the ball with such confidence, didn't he? I mean, what I liked is the way he grabbed the ball in quite an aggressive manner with this bullish sort of confidence, which obviously fooled all their players because it fooled me. Obviously, their players all thought he was fired up and they'll get round and get round him. And when he just suddenly slung it to uh, to Havertz, you know, almost casually at the last minute, I was thought, what's happening? And then Havertz, as you said, they'd all been cleared to the back of the penalty area by the referee. Brilliant. Yeah, it was just, just genius. Yeah. Genius, wasn't it, Andy? Great captain. I'm a massive fan of Dave and, you know, massive fan of him as captain as well because he's a classic lead-by-example captain. You know, he's not going to ask his troops to do anything that he wouldn't do himself, you know, and I think that he is not the most demonstrable or vociferous. I mean, he'll give it when he needs to, but, you know, he just gets on with a job. He's an utter professional. You get the sense that people are happy to be led by him. And that example of taking the pressure off of Havertz in a ridiculously high-pressured situation. I mean, Havertz said he was very, very nervous mm. taking that penalty. You know, getting all those shit-housing South Americans away from him, you know, before he took it, it was was just a, a, a really interesting thing to witness. And I wonder how much of that was premeditated or whether he just did that in, in the moment to do that. Because, uh, yeah, I think we'll look back on that in years to come and, and think that was a defining moment for Dave. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, because a lot also, of people, a lot of people have turned around in the past and gone, "He's not really a captain, though, is he? He's not like he's not JT. You know what I mean? He's not. He's not. You know, getting moving people forward. You know, he's always been very understated as a captain compared to some of the leaders that we've had in the past. But I think. You know, you'd really have to be hard-hearted not to look at him and say he's the heart and soul of that team in some ways. And you know, he's definitely up there. You know, and I think I think it was uh, Naz recently, Naz Kinsella saying that you know when you look at Chelsea legends, you've got to put Azpilicueta in there. I think definitely yeah. these days. I think. I, I, sorry, Kevin, but I'd say I, th- no, I think the other thing about him, I think he's got a lot of dignity. You know. Yeah, I think, he's got respect, I think he's got a lot of respect from other players and from captains of other teams because you know whenever he goes up, even 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 at the toss, you know when they go up to shake hands, he's got he wears a shirt with a lot of dignity. Do you know what I mean? And I do think you can see he's got respect of all the other captains, all the other teams we play against, which which I think is a good thing. You know, I think and yet when he plays, he'll go in really hard on tackles and he'll argue with the referee and he'll get stuck in. But when he's when he's when the start game starts or when the game finishes, he's he's so professional. He's a pro. Yeah, he's a proper pro. Yeah. Yeah, I mean what I'm what I'm interested to find out is how many trophies has Dave won as captain compared to JT now? It's it's gotta be right up there, mm. hasn't it? I mean he's he's won a lot, but um I I just think he's been a fantastic servant. If Look, if he goes at the end of this summer, I will be very sad to see him go. But he will always, always be in my heart. I think he's wholehearted. He's a wonderful, wonderful leader because of everything you said. He's understated. He just gets on with it. And he does something that you always imagine when they talk about a club captain Somebody who does something that benefits everyone else and mm. at the expense of himself. And I just think he's an incredible, shining example as to how a person can be as a professional. I think there are certain the players that you look at and you say, they're mercenaries, you know, they're, they're here for the money. You know, they'll have a, a long career with, with lots of different clubs. And ultimately, if you, yeah. Yeah, if you said to them at the end of their career, who do you support? They'll turn around and go, I don't really support anybody. I'm off to play golf now. Um, but if there are certain players, John Terry, Frank Lampard, I think you'd put Azpilicueta into the bracket of, if he ever came back to the club when he was 50, he'd say he was a Chelsea fan. I don't think there's there's any doubt about the fact that he has a special bond with the club and with the fans. And, you know, we've often talked about those, the, the very, very, and there are very few players that create that bond with fans. And I think he's, he's definitely one of them. And, you know, we're starting to see what an important player he's been for us over the last several years. Yeah, I, I, I would totally agree with that. And I would also say, the celebrations were wonderful. The fact that we took Reese James and Ben Chilwell out there. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Je- Ben Chilwell was limping around and he got sent flying by the other players in the celebration. You're thinking, was that sensible? What is going on? But, you know, that, that's the way it well, is. Well, there was a brilliant um, moment as well. And, you know, we talk about Lukaku. There was a brilliant moment of, you know, when the penalty went in from Havertz and Lukaku was the first to run on the pitch and go crazy. It's like, this is not a player that doesn't care. You know what I mean? This is a player that knows he has something to prove personally. But, you know, is 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 
a team player. You know, he's a he's a club man. And I think that give him time, give him a little bit of space, try and figure out the best way to get the most out of what is a very, very potent striker at his best. And, you know, we'll, we'll reap the dividends of it. And I'm constantly just gobsmacked by those fans who just won't, give a player a chance. You know, I've stood at away grounds. I've stood stood at home grounds where people just moan all the time about players like Lukaku. It's like, for Christ's sakes, just give them some time. Yeah, exactly. And the other the other worrying thing, the, the only real worrying thing that came out of the Club World Cup was a potential injury to Mason Mount. Mm. I mean, we we don't know how that's going to be. But he's hurt his, that, his, his ankle ligaments, ankle ligaments. Yeah, which is never yeah, a good no. thing. No, it's not. So, fingers crossed he's okay. That l- Lastly on this... I mean, Mason um, is... In a pl- we... Sorry, just to talk about Mason Mount for a second. Ma- Mason hasn't been the same player for a few months now, has he? You know, that that's interesting. He hasn't really pushed on, you know, in the way that a lot of us thought he might. Now, whether that's just him being overplayed or niggling injuries or just probably needs a break after a summer of England and, you know, 67 games or something he played last year, the ludicrous amount of games. Maybe he just needs a reset next season. Um, but he's a player that, you know, you think is such a huge player for our club, hasn't quite delivered in the last couple of months. And, you know, it, it is interesting to see that when you take Mason Mount's energy and his impact and his talismanic qualities out of the team, does really have an effect. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing we should talk about is we do take this competition seriously. And don't forget to listen later in the week for our roundup which we will be recording tonight, just for those of you who think we're trying to mug you off and pretend it's Friday when we put it out, we're going to be honest enough to say we are doing it after this one. So there you go. Um, just to say, I mean, I'd be happy to lie, we, Kerry, but, you know, if you feel you need to well, do that, then... some people think they've worked it out. It's not very <laughs> hard because we get it all wrong anyway. Um, but there you go. So, look, we're just clearing the air tonight. You know, as world champions, we can. Um, the the last thing I want to talk about, we take this competition seriously. There are people out there, ex-Chelsea players, who haven't taken it quite so seriously. And Craig Burley is one of them. Uh, I, there was a great tweet from Nick Crittenden, who used to be a Chelsea boy. Uh, and he tweeted about him. And he said that he used to clean Burley's boots and the going rate for Christmas bonuses from the senior players to the juniors was 50 quid, and that Burley only gave him 30, while Rude Hullet gave him 180. I just thought that was, that was quite funny, really. But Craig Burley, for any of you out there who've heard his rant, it, it defies logic that somebody who was at Chelsea for a fair chunk of their career and actually had quite a decent career at Chelsea, could come out and say it's all plastic, that the people that, you know, moan about him, he's just bitter because of the 97 Cup final being dropped. But let's not forget that back pass, shall we, in the semi? Uh, uh, I think it was a yeah, semi. Yeah, it was a semi against uh, Man United in 96, yeah. Ex- exactly. You know, I mean, how he can go on and be so vitriolic well, about well. it. Well, it's just such a shame. Well, look, he, he now works for ESPN in America. He's moved to America, lives in Connecticut and, and works at ESPN. His whole thing now is hot takes for clicks. 
you know, I mean, his his job is to go and and have a hot take about something, so that people like me get very irate and uh, and and tweet out rude things about him uh, and react to him, and then and then people click on the video, and that's all part of the advertising clickbait. So I I know what's going on, you know. I just think I met I've met him a couple of times, and you know, frankly, he's a dick, you know. And I met him back in the in the and he was an arrogant twat then sorry excuse my language but you know you know he's he's just an idiot and he was not a great player for us he did get dropped for the 97 cup final because he was crap and never really got over it and sulked over it um and as always ever since he went on to play for other clubs taking every opportunity to have a punt and a dig at us and for him to come out you know and say that it's a plastic trophy and that, you know, we should, we should, you know, let the fact that Man Man City have, you know, ha- have gone away and, and taken a 16-point lead over us and let that sink in. You know, it's like, behave yourself. You know, you're a bang average footballer and a bang average pundit who's bitter and twisted and nobody cares what you think. Hurrah! Well said, Andre. Um, I have to say, and how can he talk about plastic with those teams? Well, we remember you when they all were out of your gob, mate. Yes. Anyway, do you have anything else to add to that, Jeff? Or are you just going to no, laugh I, at I think uh, Andy's nailed it. Totally. You're right. And especially doing what I do, you know, it's about getting uh, getting numbers and clicks. I, yeah, it is. I know that. Listen, I, you shouldn't... The best thing to do is not react to it and just... You know, and well, just sort of let it slide. But you know, it's—I'm not having it from him. Of all people, no. I'm not having it from him. I'm, I'll take it off a load of other players. You know, he might turn around, and you know, there's a point to be said about it being, you know, a strange trophy. And I'll take it off a lot of people, but I'm not having it off of him. No, quite right. And there you go. So yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it, Craig Burley, over in Connecticut. Don't know why you're there anyway, other than well, you could have done it from an oh anyway, let's let's move let's move on before we, we carry on ranting. Lastly, before we go, do you know what we get as Club World Cup? We get something champions? on our shirts, don't we? We can have do you know this, Jeff? No. We can have a giant big gold star on well, our hang shirts. On. A giant big gold star. What what do you mean by that? Well, it's giant. Is big it giant star. and big? Yeah, it's giant and big. Yeah, uh, yeah. But do you know when we can wear it? Well, I, I do actually. I think I do because I read this. I think you oh, can okay. wear it in one league game. Is that right? One league game of your choice, and but in you can wear it in all cup games. Is that right? It's all Champions League games and the FA Cup games. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know about the Carabao, but I maybe we'll be it's wearing all cup that against- competitions. Yeah, I think it's all... But only one league game, bizarrely. But when you say it's a giant star, I mean, is it literally a giant (laughs) star? Is it, like, going to take over the whole shirt? It faces the sponsor's logo completely. You cannot even see the player. (laughs) But don't we get a star anyway for winning the Champions League? Yeah, we can have have two stars. Right. Can we now have three stars? Yeah. We're a three-star So where do you put the star? Three star club, I like that. Well, because you get the, the two stars on the badge, under, or around the badge. I understand. Where do you put the third star, the club world champion? Look, you've started this competition. I want uh, this this conversation. I want facts. Well, we're, we're don't make me Google out. this. <laughs> You're going to have to Google it. Maybe you can tell us on Friday. 
Right, well, look, we are out of time, but look, that's it. We are the champions of the world. We will be back on Friday and we will be talking about the Crystal Palace game that's coming up. Thank you ever so much, Jeff, as always, for coming along. Thank you, Andy. Um, Yeah, I hope your COVID recovery keeps on going well and, and that you stop feeling a bit crap. But remember, we are champions of the world. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.